This is the Action Network Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. Welcome into the Action Network Podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. We are happy to bring you a U.S. Open betting preview. 2023 U.S. Open takes us to Los Angeles. First time in 75 years, L.A. is going to host the U.S. Open. The Country Club hosts the event for the first time in its existence, and it's the first pro golf tournament since 1940. Very excited to join you all. Your host today, Brendan Glasheen, joined by the co-hosts of the Better Golf Podcast. You probably heard these guys from time to time during the season. Action Network contributors, Spencer Aguiar and Nick Brettwish, who also contributes over at Win Daily Sports. Gents, good to talk to you again. It's been a bit. I think the Masters was the last time we chatted. So here we go. Let's dive right into it. We will mix in best bets. Just want to get, Spencer, we'll go to you first. Just your, it's still early in the week for us. We're recording on a Tuesday. So I realize you guys are still piecing together, using your models and, and putting together your formula for the week. But where are we at with the U.S. Open and how you're kind of taking in information and getting ready for the week? Yeah, you know, Brendan, we've done a handful of shows together at this point. So I don't think what I'm going to say is necessarily going to come to a shock as to you because I do think outside of the box in a lot of these situations here, like no, sure, these major, sure these major <laughs> championship events are unique because of you're going to get different eyes on these contests that you would normally get on your, one of your standard tour events. Uh, that's obviously a good thing for the game. Anytime that you can get eyeballs here and grow the pot product, that is a great thing. Um, I think it's a difficult board for a lot of reasons. You talked about it a second ago, Brendan, with this course being the first time on PGA Tour we're going to see it. I'm yep. a very analytical, statistical person. I want to have stats. And when I don't have stats, it's a very difficult concept to try to run through here. And I think U.S. Opens in general are very, I guess, straightforward would be the word that I want to use there. You kind of get these fast and firm settings. Um, this is a little bit of a different course here where you're going to have these wide open fairways, you know, 70, 80 yards sometimes wide here. I do think from a topography sense, it's going to be a beautiful course. It's going to show well on television. You're going to obviously need to be able to scramble. You're going to need creativity from your golfers here. But there's a few back end questions here that like we're going to have questions that are not going to necessarily be able to be answered until Thursday morning. So for somebody like me, like, yes, I've run my model. I've attached the weights the way that I've wanted them to be. Mm -hmm. But I think this is a really good in-tournament betting. Uh, and maybe that's from a head-to-head -head perspective. Like, there's a lot of golfers that I wanted to get exposure to this week. And I think books are getting savvier. Like, we've seen this, and I've kind of been harping on this for the past year now. Like, I was hitting 65% head-to-head winners for, like, a four-year span. And that number is coming down a little bit, you know, like, and it's, you're going to have regression to the means at some point with it. But really what that shows me is that these books are getting savvier in the way that they're pricing things together. So um, I think an in-tournament way might be the best way to play a lot of these players. All right. Very good. And we'll, we'll get to names of guys you might be targeting when the tournament gets underway. You mentioned the wide open uh, approach or the wide open look to the course there could be a slight advantage to players who aren't necessarily best to control their of their ball flight uh, when they when they strike it. Uh, Nick, when you kind of similar question, when you take a look at it with not and that's a great point by Spencer, not a lot of information to work with in terms of a course history. 
So where are you at in terms of just processing how you want to go about betting the U.S. Open? Yeah, um, honestly, anytime in, in golf betting, I'm looking for people that are in good form. Um, we don't know anything really about this course other than, you know, 100 different articles you're going to read on Twitter from people inside and outside of the L.A. area. Um, overall, though, when I went through the data, it's I just kind of found, you know, ground comps, if you will, or agronomy comps. So very firm greens, bentgrass greens, firm fairways. The fairways do look like they're very wide, but there are a lot of different runoffs. I think there's certain spots in the fairway you do want to hit to set yourself up for these second shots. Some of the par fours are going to play over 500 yards, so long par four scoring. Some of the par threes are playing over 250 yards. I think one's listed at 300, although it is downhill and should be with the wind, hopefully. But uh, overall, just, you know, bogey avoidance and guys that can play these long tracks hit the fairway where they need to. I do think you could spray it a little bit, but I don't really necessarily care about distance off the tee. I think it matters a little bit and any golf course there because you're going to shorten up those approach shots. But mid to long iron play and firm bank grass greens and firm fairways, I think we're going to have a very fun week of golf here. Obviously, we've all seen 100 Twitter videos about the thick rough and dropping the ball and you can't see it anymore. That's just a tradition of the U.S. Open on Twitter. But I'm excited. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot of analytics that can go into it because we've never seen the course prior. Um, but like Spencer said, I think it's a really good week to you know see the data after day one and day two and get some live action there too. I just want to add one thing to that really quickly, Brendan, before we move on past that point, because I really like what Nick said there that just needs to be compounded on a little bit here. Um, one of the savviest ways to try to build a model when you don't necessarily have the data that you want from a long-term perspective is to try to find these, whether it's comp courses or comp situations. So what went into my model this weekend, we don't need to spend the whole show talking about building models here, but you know, it's the firm courses, like strokes gain total on firm courses, hard courses, fast courses, these courses with thick rough. And that essentially ended up being like those four answers that I just gave there, that's 37.5% of my weight in my model. And that's just taking past US Open iterations. Like we know major championships are difficult. We know most of these majors, like I would even take it a step further. Like to me, there's some Augusta national sort of corollaries here where you have these wide open fairways where you do need to be on the correct side though, which is what Nick was talking about. Like you can't just blindly hit it, which is why I don't think this is a bomb and gouge course. And you also then have these fast bent grass screens that you're going to have to be able to scramble on. You're going to be able to be creative. And there are certain golfers, which is what you were talking about, Brendan. Like there's players like Spieth and Cameron Smith and these golfers that are erratic off the tee, but because they are so creative and they are savvy with their approach play, they do have a better chance to win at this tournament than they would maybe at your prototypical uh, U.S. Open. And that's maybe really an answer for Cameron Smith there, a golfer who has not found a ton of success at U.S. Opens, but it feels like a good venue for him. Love it. And to play off of Nick's point there, the final three par fours uh, are longer than 400. They, they could play to 500 yards. So that, that'll be fun uh, on holes 16, 17 and 18. Um Colin Morikawa had a quote this week, excellent ball striking from the tee to land on the greens is going to be required. You can't hit it too far, even though the fairways are open, um, but it will be, it's a requirement to hit the very good iron shots from mid range to long irons. So that's something that, and Morikawa is at uh, 3,600 over at FanDuel. So, okay. So there's, there's kind of your setup. Every weather's going to be beautiful, cooler mornings, not a lot of wind. That's always nice. Don't have to really worry about that too much with all that. And there's no water, no water to worry about. 
Um, if you're into the water shots, sorry, that's not happening this week. Um, okay, with all that being said, let's dive right in. We'll start with outrights and work our way through whatever you guys have on your cards for the U.S. Open in Los Angeles. We'll start with best bets. We'll start with outrights. Spencer, who are you targeting in the outright market? I think these outrights are, are one of those situations where you have to be cognizant of your exposure for these weeks. And I think that's one of the things that Nick and I harp on quite often when we do shows. Like anybody can go on and we can all say, you know, Scotty Scheffler is going to win this golf tournament and then pair him with a Cameron Smith, a Jordan Spieth. But like there's ramifications that happen when you overstack your card. And that's why we are always very pronounced in our takes of you want head to heads and placements and things of that nature to really be where the brunt of your exposure ends up coming for the week. Uh, I do think going back to the Scotty Scheffler point, he is putting together an historic I mean, absolutely historic season from a tee to green sense. Like mm -hmm. he's top five in almost any metric that you can look at from a, a long-term perspective, what he's providing. He can't make a putt right now. It doesn't mean that it doesn't turn around this week. Um, I am not a person, especially in majors that wants to jump to the board in this seven to seven and a half to one range. I considered it. Like if I'm being honest, this is about as close as I've ever come to trying to punch that ticket. I think that there's, a lot of players around him, though, that are very savvy options also. And, and I'm not going to go down this route. I've done too many Action Network shows with you, Brendan, and too many shows where I've gone this Rory McIlroy route before. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's going to win this event. The data loves him. Uh, the sharp money is coming in on him. Those are at least things to be noting on this show here. He's also never won a golf tournament at single digits under par. So kind of all those answers to me is how did I want to structurally build this card where I thought I would have the best upside for what I was going to do. And I thought the best answer for this was I jumped on Terrell Hatton at 40 to one when the week opened, that number has now moved into the thirties. Uh, there is a lot of consistent answers that I noticed with Matthew Fitzpatrick last season and Terrell Hatton this year to where the tournament history might not necessarily be what you wanted, but the statistical form. And then specifically here, the course comp fits of how I ran my model started propelling uh, Fitzpatrick last year up. I didn't necessarily take it for the way that it should have been because I didn't end up betting him, but all the answers were there. Like he propelled himself into being a top seven win equity choice on Fitzpatrick there. Hatton's getting that same answer for me here. So I like Hatton. I like Cameron Smith for all the reasons that I talked about. I think that if he was on the PGA tour, this would have probably been one of those positions where he's in the teens here rather than inside of, you know, these 30 to one marks that you can still find them at. Um, we've had a situation with Max Homa recently to where everybody bet him at 50 to one. All I can find on Twitter right now is how nobody wants to have a Max Homa ticket anymore. But it's one of those things where it's like the ebbs and flows of the betting market here. I think Max Homa is a good wager in the 30s. He's the number one player in my model and expected weighted uh, strokes gain total. We know about him in California. We know about him on this course during his college career. I think that when this got into the teens, we had a problem. Like he got overpriced there, but it's kind of like that reverse psychology that's taking place now for a lot of people. Uh, if you're looking for long shots, which there's probably a certain cutoff point where I don't necessarily think players can win, but I think Joaquin Neiman kind of gives that similar answer to a Cameron Smith without that high upside win that he's had. I've seen him in the hundreds. If you shop around, uh, Wyndham Clark is a golfer that I also have seen at 100 to 1. Uh, you know, there are websites out there, and my model is kind of in agreement to where it believes he's a legitimate top 15, 20 player in the world right now. 
that's the turnaround that we've seen with his approach play. He has the distance here that you would want. He has the putting acumen. Um, you know, you could make an argument that maybe because he doesn't have the pedigree in majors that this is a better placement wager inside the top 10 or 20, but I'm going to go with the golfer to win this event. There's a lot of names I just talked about there. I do think you can structurally build a card there, still keep it with less than a unit with all those names that I mentioned, but I am going to go to the middle of this board here or to the top middle of this board past the first couple guys. I'm going to say Victor Hovland anywhere between that 17 to 20 to one range right now, 18 is the best I can find, but there's boosts available. I wouldn't be shocked if you couldn't boost that number up into the 20 or 21 total. Um, I think Hovland is trending in the right direction to win this contest. So I really like Victor Hovland this week. I think a U.S. Open is a really good setup for him also. Just because of his ability with Nick talking earlier, you are able to putt some of these shots around the surface because of the runoff areas. And Hovland's upside always increases whenever he does have that ability to hit some putts. Hovland with a victory a couple weeks ago. Um, so he's he's kind of trending, as you said, in the right direction. Another note, trendy note on the U.S. Open. 11 of the past 13 winners of the U.S. Open had recorded at least four top 10s on the season before their U.S. Open victory. So if you include the live guys, that trends well for a guy like uh, Cameron Smith, who you've discussed, uh, how he's played as of late. But a lot to unpack there. You had some guys at the top of the board, as you talked about, uh, one long shot, and then uh, Hovland is the guy you land on. Nick, what do you got for uh, an outright take us through your, and you can go, you know, outright at the top of the board values and maybe a long shot play. Yeah. I'm going to echo Spencer on Tyrrell Hatton. Um, okay. It just checks the and box. 32 you just to mentioned. one, 32 to one yeah, at, I, uh, at FanDuel. Nice. I still like that price. I got it at 35 to one yesterday. Okay. Um, loading up this whole season with top tens, like you just mentioned, that could be a trend to look out for. But when I did um, my numbers here, I used a lot of weighted averages here for bank scoring, uh, scoring from relative to par from 200 plus yards out with your long irons there around the green, total driving, long par four. So that's 450 plus yards. Tyrrell Hatton, Tony Finau, Patrick Cantlay, and Scotty Scheffler were the only players in the field to check every single one of those boxes. I absolutely love Tyrrell Hatton. I think it's a really good price. Um, I also <laughs> punched a ticket on Tony Finau. I don't know how I feel about Tony Finau at majors. I think he always lets us down, but his game is trending in a great place. It's a, around the green that is always going to weigh him down a little bit. He is having the best season of his career in that stat. I think this is a really good setup for him. It, like Victor Hovland, he is one of the best ball strikers on the PGA Tour. So I'm going to go with Tony Finau at 43 to one. I think he can get 40 to one still out there as well. Uh, I looked at Justin Thomas at 50 to one, just seemed like a pricing error. I don't know if I love that. I still think you're kind of just burning money a little bit, but uh, Sunjay M 50 to one on FanDuel checked five of those six categories that I was looking for there. Again, like Victor Hovland, I think uh, Sunjay M it obviously doesn't have the upside of Victor Hovland, but the price is at 50 to one instead of going, you know, in the 20 to one route for Victor Hovland. I uh, would love to get your guys' thoughts on Sunjay M. And then if I had to choose someone sub 20 to 1, I'm not going to get there pre-tournament. I do like Rory. I do agree with the sharp money moving towards Rory. He was so damn good on Friday and Saturday at the RBC Canadian. Kind of just fell apart a little bit there on Sunday. The pressure's off. The merger's happening. You know, I, I do buy into that a little bit. 14 uh -oh. to 1, Rory, I do like. Uh -oh. um, and if I had to pick a long shot, I'm going to go with Mito Pereira at 120 to one on FanDuel. Spencer, you tried to warn him and he's going down that rabbit hole. 
of Rory I'm doing it. Well, I, I don't know if I'm doing it, but if I had to, it's because my cards is built of 35 to that 50 to one range. And, you know, I, I don't see how Scotty Scheffler loses his tournament. He ranks inside the top seven for every single category that I weighted there. Obviously, outside of putting, um, that was not included in the metrics that I just gave you. If his putter, he did get a new Scotty Cameron again. That's on Twitter. I trust that. Uh, but I'd rather like to see, you know, maybe Scotty start a little slow out of the gate and then I can get like a 12 to 15 to one number. That's probably praying for too much, but then I'll take Scotty. That's what makes this so difficult in general with this tournament is I think you have names like Scheffler and Rory in particular where they feel like, you know, nothing's automatic in this space. Anything can happen. Either one could miss the cut. It's a U.S. Open. They feel like top 10 sort of caliber plays at the bare minimum. And then it's like, the answer comes down to, can Rory close the golf tournament if he does get himself into contention? And can Scotty make a putt? If either one of those two guys answer the question yes there, they probably are the ones that win the golf tournament. So, you know, we've named a lot of names that we are betting that are not Rory and Scotty Scheffler, which is the dangerous part of what you're doing here. But sometimes if you're betting outright, you have to try to beat the top of the board in this spot. Like, I'm not going to talk anybody out of the route of, Scotty Scheffler is the favorite to win this golf tournament. I think that that's a legitimate answer that really from a statistical perspective, it's really hard to find an answer. That's not Scotty Scheffler. That's going to be the favorite. And then you want to get unique and different and want to say like, there's somebody from outside of Scotty there. It's probably Rory just because of the upside that he possesses, but I'm not getting there on Rory on an outright. I just can't (laughs) do it to myself. Uh, quickly, Spencer, you want to react to what Nick asked about, uh, Sung JM is 55 to one over at FanDuel and he, he wanted thoughts. So I'm just, I'm giving Nick what he needs. So please help him. I feel like Nick and I have this discussion all the time about Sung JM almost every single week. Like if there's two people that are his biggest fans that want to put wagers on him in every event, it's probably the two of us, Nick. So I'm never going to be the one to talk you out of it. I do think he has a really high ceiling if he could make it work and, I like him on these fast surfaces. Uh, bent grass is good for him. Like he's good when he's on Bermuda, which is different. But I like him on these quicker surfaces to where he can kind of try to work his way around in more of a methodical sense. And it's like a very similar answer that I always give to a guy like Hideki Matsuyama. It's it's these players that have found success. And that's why I keep going back to this comp idea of Augusta. Like we've seen Sungjae at Augusta be really good. I, I think Sungjae can be good here. And if directly comparing... I would rather bet Sung Jay to win than a Justin Thomas at about the same price. Like, um, I don't know if I would call it throwing money away on Justin Thomas. I just don't think he's necessarily there with his game right now. But when I ran this for upside, Sung Jay did creep into the top 10 for me in my model. Nine top 10s this season, Brendan. So we are trending in that direction Very for good. the stats that we're looking for. Very good. Again, 11 of the past 13 winners of the U.S. Open had recorded heading into the tournament, had recorded at least four top 10s on the season before winning the U.S. Open. That is, that fits the trend. Um, okay, so in term, last bit of betting stuff, guys. If you want to go off the board, folks, a lot of folks bet outrights that might want to just bet the big tournament. So give me a couple. We'll go to Spencer first and Nick. If you've got a top 10 look, top 20, top 40, et cetera a matchup play or a potential finishing position. You want to rattle some of those off Spencer. What do you have? Yeah, I think a finishing position market is really intriguing this week. So there are a lot of golfers that I wanted exposure to in some way. And, and I'll, I'll name all, uh, at least a handful of the names here. So, you know, people can hear that and 
you can shop around, you can try to find different matchups or placements, like everything's going to offer something different. And uh, that's the one difficult thing with doing this at any golf week, but specifically for a major that books are offering different things. And I like to talk about players I like and dislike, because that's kind of the best trend to try to figure out where you want to go. So I think some players that I like this week, you know, and Andrew Putnam, I think he's very intriguing as a top 40 bet. You can get him on FanDuel at plus 220. Uh, Russell Henley is a very intriguing name. I'm going to be looking for him as an in-tournament head-to-head bet. I like Denny McCarthy and Mito Pereira. I will get to them in a second. Uh, Wyndham Clark, there's a lot of different ways to consider playing him beyond an outright. Cameron Smith kind of fits that same mold of what I was talking about. But two bets that I really like this week, if you shop around and you try to find some of these finishing position bets out there, I think Denny McCarthy at 58th or better is a super intriguing price to look into. He landed 17th in my model for safety at U.S. Open tracks. Much of that stemmed from the recent putting and historical success on these courses that are going to produce that fast and firm setting. He also graded 13th in this field when combining both of those two factors of fast and firm. That made him the only golfer outside of 100 to 1 on the slate to land in the top 20 of that category. I don't know if he necessarily competes to win this tournament, but there's a lot of those answers inside the head-to-head sector, uh, the placement market here where I think there's a lot of ways to consider him. And then I'm going to double down on the point that Nick was talking about earlier with Mito Pereira. Like he has an outright ticket on him. I think you can consider him on FanDuel as a top 20 bet at plus 280. Um, I really wanted to get there as a top 40 bet and I didn't necessarily find the value that I wanted. But if you do shop around there, there's a price out there, Mito Pereira 52nd or better inside of a placement market. I just think there's a lot of safety there on a golfer. And I kind of have now given the same answer about three people with uh, Neiman, Cam Smith, and and Mito here. These guys went to live and they're kind of out of sight, out of mind. I, I truly believe if Mito had stayed on the PGA Tour, you're not getting these opportunities for him to be, you know, nearly three to one to be a top 20 bet or, you know, inside of this top 52. Like he feels much more like a guy that should be placed in that high 30s, low 40s. So I think we have about 10 to 15 spots of value here. And another thing to keep in mind on any of those finishing position bets out there is it's 156 players. That does mean that it's more challenging to make a cut, but it's top 60 and ties that are going to make it. So if you can get into the weekend, that's kind of like a Denny McCarthy thing, like make the cut and be a little bit better than that at the end of the day. So I think both of those two guys are intriguing and it goes to a lot of those guys that I mentioned earlier. I'll be looking for head-to-head matchups in a lot of those spots. I, I love the, the Mito call because if if you recall on Mito, uh, he gained a ton of strokes, uh, tee to green at the PGA Championship. And while we don't have the Los Angeles country club familiarity, he has played well in the state of California. If you go back and look at his track record, uh, in the in the beautiful LA in, in Beverly Hills, we'll see if he'll flourish. So I, li- I like the call there. He's he's your classic. Like, there's a ton of guys. I know you mentioned Scheffler, deserving outright favorite, but and I know you guys do a ton of uh, DFS stuff too. But you look at salaries and that seven to eight ish range. There's just so many guys that the balance build. If you want to have the winning lineup, I mean, there's guys there, and I'm not I'm not mocking you guys. I'm just saying that like, you hear that stuff all the time in, in DFS. But point being, there's plenty of capable golfers in that range this week um so nick what else you got as far as going off the board here top 10s top 30 40 we can talk about Mito some more if you'd like matchups finishing position what else do you have 
I am going to go with Mito top 40 at plus 125 on Love FanDuel. My, my numbers have it at plus one or uh, even money at plus 100 there. I usually look for 30 points of value in the placement market, but I, the, I look around at all these different books in the marketplace. They love Mito Pereira. He's getting a lot of steam, especially in the matchups. He's a favorite over Adam Scott. He's a favorite over Keegan Bradley, guys that you would expect to play very well at a course like this and play well at majors. So I'm going to ride Mito Pereira. Like you said, great at the uh, PGA just a couple weeks ago. Um, excellent driver of the golf ball besides the 18th hole at the 2022 PGA. We all remember that debacle. Iron play is fantastic. Again, very limited data that we have for from the Live Tour, but he's great in California. He was in excellent form before he left the PGA Tour. Uh, solid showing at the Masters, just couldn't make a putt, and his short game was brutal. I think that should help him a little bit here. It should be a little bit better surfaces for him. Uh, excellent long iron play. Everything about Mito checks my boxes here. Good form um, from whatever that's worth, just finishing top 10 multiple times here on the Live Tour. Again, I don't really put a whole lot of thought into that. Um, then I'm going to go up the board a little bit to Seamus Power, a guy we haven't talked about in a long time at plus 220 in the top 40 market. Um, Spencer, Brendan, I wanted your guys' thoughts on the top Irishman at 7-1 to one for Seamus Power. That is out there at a couple different books. Any thoughts on Seamus Power? I'm not too worried about Shane Lowry. I, maybe I undervalue Shane Lowry. I just think he's a guy, but... If I get an outright ticket on Rory, I'm kind of exposed there. If Rory just completely craps a bed, I think Seamus Power has a good chance of being the top Irishman this week. It's 7-1. to one. Is there any value on that crazy prop? Just because it's a major, we got to get a little off the board here. I don't know. I mean, I, I think Rory's going to come top 10, and that's a very okay, challenging yeah, we'll, answer. We'll stop there then. Huh? That's a no. Yeah, that's – I don't know <laughs> is no. really a no, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to say one thing about Seamus, though. I also have a top 40 bet on him at plus 220 over at FanDuel. So, I, like, there are a couple players. Like, to me, it was Putnam and Seamus that were the two plus 200 or higher type of choices that I thought you could really consider as top 40s to where I don't know what their ceiling ends up being. Like, I think, Nick, you think his ceiling is higher than I probably think that it is. And I also kind of like Shane Lowry. Like he kind of feels like another guy that's a fringe top 20, top 30 sort of play. So um, I think Seamus is going to be safe for the price that you get. Like it's hard to find plus 220, plus 225 sort of bets that I think have the ability to make the cut and then give you a top 40 here. And that's what Seamus gives you. I just don't know if I'm necessarily trying to take Rory on in any situation here. Like I'm fine just sitting back in, when Rory comes in fourth place at the end of the day, like I'll just know that that's like, all right, good. I didn't get on the outright ticket and uh, he kind of did what I expected him to do. Nick, any, any, any else? Are you, are you good? I got one more question. Just the steam in the marketplace. Absolutely loves this guy. I, I mean, if you look at his top 40 press, I think it's close to even money on FanDuel. Yeah, by Mr. the way, Mito, Mito is plus 115, just to give folks an update. Oh, that shot down. Okay. So moving 15 points of value on the number. I, I think you take the Spencer route, go to the top 20. I think he's going to get there. Um, Patrick Rogers, what are your thoughts on him? The market absolutely loves this guy. I think he's a favorite in every single matchup with golfers that have shorter outright prices than he does. So that's always interesting for me to see. Um, I'm not going to get there in any market. Maybe like that's a DFS player or something like that, but I'm sure his ownership's going to, I don't know, it's pretty low. So Patrick Rogers, thoughts on him and the market, absolutely loving him. Just seems strange for a guy that's never won a PGA Tour event. I'm fine with Patrick Rogers if you want to consider him in different ways. Um, the, the only golfer that I saw that was 
a very, very slight favorite against him, which would go back to the answer that I just gave. Andrew Putnam is a very slight favorite at one book out there. So, yeah, I mean, Rogers is kind of trending in that direction where he is a favorite over most of those names that are around him. I just don't know what his upside actually is. Um, I think the California and the quick surface answer is always intriguing with him. That always makes me because I've told you this before, Nick, like and it's changed this season. Wyndham Clark and Patrick Rogers, I used to tell you, like, I think they're the same golfer. If you like one, you like the other. That's changed in 2023 with Wyndham now becoming one of the more pristine iron players that there is. Uh, but Rogers has that distance you want. He has that streaky putter that can get hot at times. So um, I think he's an intriguing play to consider. And as you said, maybe it's more of a DFS answer than anything. But I don't have a problem with anybody that does want to use him in some capacity. All right, gents. Good stuff. I think that's it from an Action Network perspective. Are we going to hear from you guys again this week? Yes. Yeah, so after we do this, uh, Nick and I will be with Roberto over on the Links and Locks podcast. Uh, we're going to go over some of these bets that we talked about. Um, I don't know if you are doing the gimme this week with uh, Jason Sobel, Nick. I am not this week, but yeah, we'll be on Links and Locks and then the Best Bets article. Um, we'll dive a little deeper in the board there with Roberto. That show gets uh, a little bit off the rails and gross. We'll talk about guys Way lower on the board than Andrew Putnam and Patrick Rogers, but it'll be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for this week, though. Thanks for having us, Brendan. Love it. It's hey, Sobel's Sobel's doing well here, so you, he's on fire. Yeah, I, I don't want to join the show here. I've been ice cold. I want nothing to do with joining a show with him right now because he is <laughs> absolutely on fire right now. So for his sake, I'm losing. Yeah, I'm losing bets by a stroke every single week. I, I just need to. I need to sit in the bullpen until we uh, we get that right. I did the gimme with him last week and like we have a hundred dollar budget that we're playing through there. I ended up taking my hundred dollars and I think I ended up like $10 up. So I got to 110 bucks on it. Sobel hits the outright winner with Nick Taylor at 66 to one. I think he ended up winning like seven or $800 off of his hundreds. So yeah, I mean, Sobel's doing great things. So be sure to check out anything he's doing. And then also just to add to it, uh, I've talked about a lot of in tournament bets that I like to make. You can find those articles that I write over here on Action Network. Love it. And you can find these guys in the app as well. That's very important to note because of the live betting potential of the U.S. Open. Spencer Aguiar, Nick Brettwish, thank you both for joining the Action Network podcast. Links and locks later this week. And they are contributing uh, to Action Network. So like I said, check those guys out in the app. Brendan Glasheen signing off. Thanks for tuning in to our U.S. Open Best Bets episode. Coming soon to the Action Network podcast. NBA draft content is up right now. We will have another episode as the draft approaches. More to come next week. And we have a special episode over on the Diamond covering the College World Series. That's coming soon. Uh, be on the lookout for that next week as well. Thanks for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Enjoy! the U.S. Open, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.